In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mark face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 322. Again. Hello. <laughs> Again. <laughs> For those of you playing along at home, this is the second time Mark and I have recorded this particular episode. <laughs> Which is even no more painful now. Than the, when you hear, I hope you'll appreciate this now that you that we had to do this twice, and we actually had a really fun, in quotes at least, as fun as possible time going through it the first time, and now having to go back and retrace our steps. That's never fun. Yeah, uh, no matter how good the comic is, it's never good uh as the first time when you're trying to spontaneously find things to talk about and joke yep. about so trying to rehash your own jokes and <laughs> and commentary is never fun but regardless we're going to do the best we can because this month and uh this episode we are collaborating in the jl may crossover event with all these other podcasts which stay tuned for the end of the episode i will give you the names of those podcasts and uh, and what uh, issues they'll be uh, covering. But uh, what we're covering this year, uh, with our first time out, we covered JLA Year One, as is befitting. Our second time out, we covered the Justice event. Um, this time around, we are covering the Year 2000 DC Comics event, Silver Age. Um we are obviously taking the Green Lantern one-shot issue of that, and uh, gonna go ahead and go over that here. And uh, again, like like I said, stay tuned to the end of the episode, and I'll give you a list of where to find the people who covered the beginning of this arc, issues that came before us, and where to find the next few installments. Now, this year, just as a heads up, this is a little bit more loosey goosey of a crossover, not in terms of quality or anything like that, but just in terms of our release schedules. Uh, it, things aren't releasing in like, you know, ramshackle, 100%, uh, corresponding order, but, uh, every, you'll be able to find the entire event and, and listen to all the coverage. Um, and Hey, if you haven't, and you're just listening to this episode, no worries, because there's a recap page on the front of this <laughs> that we're going to read. That is, that is probably the best thing about having this issue to do is that if, even if you had followed the story arc when it first came out and or if you hadn't and you were just you didn't maybe because you were, didn't have enough time or you just re- didn't realize didn't realize going in oh i'm kind of like i probably should have a little bit more background on where this event uh, began to get me to this point you're all covered because thanks to Hal's little little narration to himself and everything else you know you get everything you need to know about silver age up to this point and like the first two pages of this book we love you Hal. <laughs> So speaking of, before we get into it, uh, have you read this before, Mark? Yes. Uh, what did you think at the time when you were reading this stuff? It was okay. <laughs> <laughs> on to the issue, folks. <laughs> Come on, man. You can't give me more content than that. <laughs> uh, I like this issue. This is the issue that I remember. Uh, mo- I remember the cover, and I like the way they they write the cost. You know, try trying to make it seem like it's in cents because the way they write it out instead of saying two dollars or whatever. It is. <laughs> uh, I remember that, and I remember the pre- the whole premise of the event. But if you but if you're asking asking me what is memorable about the event for the most part, other than this, no, I don't really remember it all that much. Gotcha. Well, you're gonna remember this issue because we're about to recap it. Again. Um, <laughs> That's why we we'll remember it. Here it is, 
An all-new tale from the Silver Age. Green Lantern, fight, Green Lantern, fight. If you can't save the planet Thanagar from Sinestro, the universe is doomed. Says right so on the cover. This issue <laughs> is uh, scripted by Kirk Busiek. Or Kurt Busiek. Uh, Busiek? 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 Eh, whatever. Uh, I hear people on different podcasts pronounce his name differently, and I feel like... It can really be. I think it, you, you know who the hell we're talking about. <laughs> it's like it, um, it's like uh, uh, Avon Race Heist. Who's what? Are you? <laughs> uh, pencils by Brent E. Anderson. Inks by Joe Rubenstein. Um, colors by James Sinclair. Jameson is the separator. Jack Morelli letterers. Tony Bedard assistant editor and Dan Raspler editor. So, as we said. The uh, first two pages of this have a bit of a recap about what's been going on. So if you're new to this, I'm just going to read these two pages out loud and then go into a more uh, simplistic breakdown of the rest of the issue. But to catch you up, Sinestro, the renegade Green Lantern, brutally – brutally? What the hell's wrong take with me? Two. I've done – yeah. <laughs> Actually, I guess it would be take three, technically. <laughs> yeah, I'm not editing any of this out, guys. <laughs> just not. because gonna make any this... mistakes and jokes are just going to add more time and content to the second episode, so let's just enjoy it as is. <laughs> that, that, that's going to make it make up for it, at least on our end, right, for having to start over from scratch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen to how bad these people suck at re- recapping comics. <laughs> That's entertaining, at least, isn't it? <laughs> so, take... Sinestro, the renegade Green Lantern, brutally beating the Justice League of America? How could this be? And more, how could the fate of the entire universe rest on the mirror of evil conquering not only the JLA, but himself? You'll find all the answers in this sensational three-part novel that follows, as Green Lantern finds himself in some very unusual straits, and it has to stand alone against injustice. So chapter one, entitled The Last Stand on Thanagar. Our three-part tale begins in deep space, as we find the sleek figure of Sinestro desperately dodging a meteor shower. But within that form lurks another's mind. The mind of Hal, Green Lantern, Jordan. And then Hal, in the body of Sinestro, is thinking to himself, It's so hard to believe all that's happened. Agamemno, a powerful, ancient, shape-shifting being, convinced he's the rightful ruler of all reality, came to Earth in the form of a meteor and gathered together an Injustice League, nine of the greatest threats. <laughs> The world has ever known. Lex Luthor, the Penguin, Catwoman, Mr. Element, Black Black Manta, Dr. Light, Sinestro, Kronos, and Felix Faust. As this first step in a cosmic plan, he needed heroes, but for a villainous purpose. So the villains swapped bodies with the Justice League and set off in search of three artifacts of power which he plans on combining into one cosmic weapon that will allow him to conquer the universe and set up the Injustice League as his satraps. I stumbled over that word last time we did this, but I don't know what that is. Anyways, already, according according to Sinestro's power ring, they've captured the central power battery from Oa and a jewel from the planet Krypton. And now they're headed for Thanagar, for the third and final artifact. I've got to get there before they reach it and stop them, or the universe is doomed. Did you figure out what that means? Yeah, I sent it to you, but I'll read it. It's, uh, jeez, if I can if I get, can get to the right friggin' window. Uh, basically any subordinate, subordinate or local ruler. But gotcha. I guess it originally comes from a provincial. Originally, it was a provincial governor in the Persian Empire. So. Gotcha. So it sounds like uh, this is going to be a weird pull. But you remember the animated movie uh, Justice League uh, Crisis on Two Earths or whatever? Vaguely, but yes, I do remember it. 
Yeah, they the the members of the crime syndicate had uh, like second in command bosses with different families underneath them. Crime families, almost like. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what that sounds like. All right, so over on Thanagar, let me try and figure this out. Should I call him Hal or Sinestro? Call him just Hal. so we call okay. Him. Call him especially Hal. since right. especially since Hal. Although uh, Sinestro and Hal's body doesn't really show up, right? Or does he? Sinestro and Hal's body doesn't show up. Yeah. Okay, at some point in this comic, spoilers for this episode you're already listening to, but <laughs> at some point in this comic, they're going to switch back. So after I say they switch back, know that when I say Hal, I mean Hal in Hal's body. But until the switch, when I say Hal, I mean Hal in Sinestro's body. Okay? All right. Now we're all caught up. <laughs> now, over on Thanagar, the Injustice League, again, in the, in the, the minds of the Injustice League, in the body of the hero, in the body of the Justice League, arrive on Thanagar in a green construct bubble with the central power battery and the Krypton jewel. Okay. They show up, they approach the high moor of Thanagar and say that they need the Absorbicron and they introduce their new member. This is Agamemno, our latest recruit. I would gladly fill you in on his daring exploits, but I'm afraid there's no time. We're here on a serious matter. We must borrow your planet's greatest achievement, the Absorbicron. Or Absorbicon. Sorry. There's no R there. The uh, High Moor says this is most unusual. The Absorbicon is closely guarded secret. With it, the entirety of a planet's knowledge can be absorbed. Are you certain it's needed? It says yes. And they gladly accede to this because this is the Justice League and their feats are known far and wide throughout the universe. Uh, at least in the Silver Age. <clears throat> <laughs> so, uh, while they go off to find this, the Injustice League is kind of snickering to themselves. Then, Hal shows up, again, body of Sinestro, shows up to take on the Injustice League. Now, because the Injustice League is inhabiting the bodies of the Justice League, they are not yet familiar enough with the powers of the bodies they occupy to be 100% proficient at using them. So this gives Hal an edge in using Sinestro's power ring to take them on. So he gets the better of them for a little while. And then Agamemno decides to join the fight. Okay, This is when uh, he gets... Uh, kind of throws Hal off base. The Injustice League kind of find their footy, footing, and Hal throws them all off and kind of notices that he's his urge isn't just to beat them. He really wants doesn't necessarily want to kill them, but he just wants to be ultra violent with them. So he flies up into the atmosphere to get away for a moment to talk to the ring, and he says. There's some sort of outside force affecting me, affecting my mind. Can you find out what it is? The ring responds, I already know what it is. I am affecting you. Green lantern rings are made with a necessary impurity that prevents them from affecting anything yellow, as you know. If not for this impurity, unchecked exposure to the ring would overwhelm the wearer, drive him power mad. I, of course, have no such impurity. For my normal wearer, Sinestro, this is not a concern. His mental profile is already too warped to affect. But yours is a healthy mind, a vulnerable mind. You cannot wear me for much longer without being rendered permanently, irrevocably insane. So, chapter two starts with Where There's a Will. It, that's the name of the title, by the way. <laughs> the Injustice League flies up and catches up with Hal in the upper atmosphere the Thanagarian police force joins the the fray, and as Hal is thinking to himself that he can't resist much longer, um, I need to, you know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I won't last much longer. I'll never get to see anybody. I'll become a monster menace, a threat to Carol and to Pi. Never to see them again or hear their voices. And then he remembers Coast City just a few weeks ago. In a random flashback, I promise you, has barely anything to do with anything. 
But we'll get there. See John Stewart in Lost Army. No. <laughs> so Hal is taking Carol in this flashback to a launch of a an activation of a satellite. She's expecting Green Lantern, but um, you know Hal's there. So this is the Silver Age. We have to have that classic. I. I want her to love me for me, but she only has eyes for Green Lantern kind of stuff. Anyways, the reason they're expecting, uh, they're launching this satellite, rather, is to make a more, to date, the most accurate uh, map slash globe that's ever been created. They're just going to scan the Earth, you know, 100%. Well, all that in mind, the reason Green Lantern's expected is rather than switching on this satellite automatically, which they can do, it has the capability, they're going to make a show of things and have Green Lantern fly into space and turn it on for them. <laughs> which is kind of crazy, because all they're going to see is Green Lantern flying up into space, so why, did, why do you have to have him turn it on? Just say, hey, can you fly just straight up in the air and we'll then stay the out switch. there for a little bit? <laughs> we'll hit the switch on our end, and we're good. But whatever. Hal comes up with a convenient excuse because Pi has shown up and made up an excuse for him to dart away. And while he does, Green Lantern shows up. Oh, no. How is it possible? But when he gets up into the atmosphere, he notices that the satellite is already rocketing towards the, the surface. Why? Because sonar is somehow up in the stratosphere. <laughs> Which we didn't talk about last time, but now that I see it, the hell and how the hell is Sonar up there? But here we go. <laughs> sonar is up there, and he shoot, he's knocking it out of orbit because he is from the, the country of uh, Medora. And his whole thing is he always wants to put Medora on the map. Well... The satellite is literally creating a map. Medora is too small to be bother being included on said map. So he's going to get revenge on the map makers. <laughs> Silver Age. <laughs> they they capture uh, the essence. Well, because this satellite is rocketing towards the planet through the stratosphere, it's hitting, you know, reentry, meaning it's burning up, meaning it's yellow. So Hal's attempts to catch it with a baseball glove so on and so forth, don't work. He tries to slow it down with some construct fans. That doesn't really work. His next bet <laughs> is to rock it down to the surface real quick and carve a massive baseball bat out of the ground so that future generations can come and marvel <laughs> at the baseball-shaped canyon no in front no, of them. No pun intended there. With the <laughs> exactly. Uh, so he carries this massive baseball bat made of solid rock that he just carved out of the ground from somewhere in the middle of nowhere. But they make a point to say it's an unoccupied valley, so at least nobody was hurt in the making of the, the space baseball bat. Woodchucks. <laughs> to, to swat it out of the sky. But this is when all, all this work is for naught as sonar hits him with a sound blast. So how drops the massive, solid stone, like, 30-story baseball bat of solid rock he just made, and then creates some green uh, construct bells to kind of mess with sonar. So he rockets ahead, and he's like, wait a sec, I've been thinking about all this wrong. i got to tackle this problem. Well, never mind, we don't know what happened to the baseball bat. <laughs> Could have crushed everyone below, <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> it would have made for a hell of a headline. <laughs> Anyways, I've been thinking about this all wrong. I've got the power to phase through things, right? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go intangible directly in front of this falling satellite so that it just follows in my wake and instead of hitting buildings in the ground is just becoming going through the intangibility that is right in front of me before it has a chance to become tangible once again. So he does this, flies all the way down to the Earth's core, that takes care of the satellite, and then comes back out. Meanwhile, back on Thanagar, he realizes there's another way. Well, there's always another way, so he's going to try something else. So chapter three, 
assault on a battery. He flies into the power battery, says the oath, and then switches minds with not just himself, but also he's the it switches everything back. So the Injustice uh, League gets their bodies back and the Justice League gets their minds back. However, instead of switching just the minds, which would be much easier, <laughs> the bodies come, come to the minds. Meaning, the Injustice League is still in this situation, but with their own bodies. And the Justice League, utterly worthless at this point now back on Earth. <laughs> Have their minds back, which they're happy about. Which yep. I'm, but I'm assuming they'll soon realize. Well, we can't do anything right now. But anyways, let's get a beer. No. <laughs> How, however, has his mind and his body back where they're supposed to be? So he goes to take on the Injustice League, but Sin, um, uh, Sinestro, uh, sorry, Doctor Light. Uh, hits Hal with some yellow light, dazes him while the Injustice League flies away. Thanagar, uh, the Thanagarian police force says they can't match the speed, so Hal tries to. Him and Sinestro essentially have the same top speed, so he's not really gaining any ground on them. But no worries, Hal has signaled the Green Lantern Corps. The Green Lantern Corps with, uh, that's Katma, right? Yep. Katma, Tomar, that's Chaselon, uh, there's Metaphil, I see a robot, that could be one of the versions of Stell from like back Rob. then, if he's, <laughs> <laughs> um, looks like Starro, <laughs> you know, a couple of others, uh, are there to take on the Injustice League, so what Sinestro does is he sends all of the Injustice League out in little construct ships to take on the Green Lantern Corps, while... Kronos and Lex stay behind. Lex says, Sinestro uses ring to contact me just before the attack. I told him to leave you with me and the weapons. That brawl out there has nothing is nothing but a feint. The true battle will be won or lost here. And I need your watchmaker skill in addition to my engineering abilities. Now come, let's get to work. Sinestro takes on Hal. Hal gets the better of Sinestro by putting his hands around his throat. Ooh, foreshadowing. Uh, <laughs> uh, until suddenly Hal lets go is in a complete daze, and so is the rest of the attacking Green Lantern Corps. Lex comments, it was child's play in the final analysis. By feeding the Absorbicon's mental scan functions through the power battery, we were able to link all of the Green Lantern's minds and shut them down. Now back to the business at hand. We have all three devices we sought. Our opposition has been crushed. Victory is in our grasp, and nothing can stop us. Famous last and then can that's right. Continued this week as Showcase presents the Seven Soldiers of Victory. What do you think? Much like the first time, I thought it was <laughs> it was interesting. It was, and to be fair, Hal actually the. Sinestro controlled Hal actually is in the issue before the, but only for like two panels, <laughs> which is really really odd and convenient that of course the one character the same way uh, Hal's able to take advantage of being in Sinestro's body obviously Sinestro would be able to take advantage of being in Hal's body especially since he was a former Green Lantern, but yet they conveniently made sure he really is not in the book at all other than like for two or three two brief little cameos so it. Real convenient. <laughs> I liked. I liked the fact that they took advantage of the fact that again, a powering is a powering, and on some basic level, at least when it comes to yellow and green, <laughs> that Hal's able to. T you know, he's able to take advantage of the fact that even though he's stuck in somebody else's body, considering whose body he's stuck in, it's not a great big learning curve for him to be able to use the yellow ring. But it's nice that it does have an effect. Yes, uh, and it it it's kind of something that in a way carries forward. So that's so that's cool. All they needed was was parallax to go inside Hal when he went into the battery. We, we've been great. <laughs> and of course, we need to find out who Sinestro's jeweler is to give him that earring. 
<laughs> Sinestro does not wear an earring normally, folks. <laughs> Maybe he was in a pirate phase. I don't know. I'll tell you. Uh, so, and I'll, I've said this about other uh, issues in the past. I liked it for what it is. Now, guys, we're going to rip into it. All right. So that's 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 no problem. We're not going to comment on the issues that came before because they're the other podcasters covered those. So definitely get their perspective on all those. If you're listening to this episode first to see if you're interested in the event and then want to go back and listen to the other coverage, we don't want to spoil that for you. So we're not going to talk about that and tread on somebody else's toes. Same reason we're not covering the issues that come after it. Although there is a spoiler that I'm going to save for the end for us to discuss that's relevant to Green Lantern mythos. So I'll talk about we'll talk about that together at the end. But the reason I say I like this for what it is, this is issue these issues came out in the year 2000. But they're specifically written as lost silver age stories. And they were specifically written to match the tone of said Silver Age. So we can give it hell for nonlinear thinking, stupid dialogue, horrible horrible jokes, whatever. But I'm going to say nine times out of ten, those mistakes or errors or stupidity or cheesiness or whatever we could criticize it as is likely there intentionally. So... I, you can't really go in expecting like a really original plot with like completely shocking twists and turns and just to be enraptured by this original, wholly original tale. It's meant to have a certain tone. That being said, I enjoyed it, but I don't know. Um, I don't know how I feel about it because there are certain ways to do something like this. And, and we talked the first time we recorded this, but I'll bring it up here again. The You can compare this to what DC did about, was it five or six years ago? The DC retroactive line. Yep. So both are done with the intent to elicit the tone and the continuity of the specific era they're trying to elicit uh, with a retroactive. They did, I think they did 60s, 70s, 80s. Is that it? No, or no, they had, they did nineties cause they did Kyle. Gotcha. Okay. So seventies, eighties, nineties. Probably. Yeah. Okay. So, but those were done in era one shots per the character. This is a huge crossover event. That's meant to be a linear story. The retroactives were the one shots in the era for the particular character, not meaning to cross over with each other, even within character or even within the um, uh, within uh, uh, or or cross title. So or within the era. So like the 70s Flash retroactive and the 70s Green Lantern retroactive didn't cross over, but nor did the Green Lantern 70s, Green Lantern 80s, Green Lantern 90s. So right there you have two different ways to do this sort of thing, tell this sort of story, and make, make your money, make your, uh, uh, you know, give your chance to, to tell the story you want to tell, elicit the tone you want to elicit. But it's just a matter of just, you know, the early 2000s, that's now 18 years ago. So, you know, it's it's not necessarily a recent comic, but those two are relatively close together releases. So how do you feel this story captures that tone? Like, could this have been better done like the retroactive where it was just character one shots? Just, I mean, because they did release it with the titles as one shots. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think for what this was and what they wanted it to be. I think I just think you have to take it for what it is. I don't think I the retroactive was obviously something in a different vein just like like we also talked about something similar which is another way approach they could have taken was like convergence. When they did the convergence crossover and they had all the mini series that were actually supposed to be these these characters basically captured 
literally out of their out of taken out of their respective time frame so they were supposed to act and behave and they were written as if those characters were were you know not our not our modern version or interpretation of these characters or what we know about them now but exactly the characters who they were and how they were behaving at that time frame that they were you know plucked that they could have done something like that too in a, in in a way but i think i think it works i think I think it does capture the kind of like the silliness or the simplicity in, in, in the, of the Silver Age, but but also kind of captures the uh, what made the Silver Age special in a positive way. So I think it they could have they could have picked a better villain, a more memorable <laughs> villain. That's always a problem with a lot. Well, not always, but that's a, that can be a problem with these things. If you pick a lame villain or a villain that doesn't have any relevance going forward or very little. Relevance going forward outside of this uh, this event, then I th- or a big event, then I think it always weakens it. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean that the villain has to have been huge before the event, but going forward, what do you do with the villain afterwards? And obviously, we know what they've done with, with him, which is Sippo. Yeah, and like I said, guys, there's a spoiler involved in what happens to him at the end of this. We'll discuss it at the end, and the most we can get out of discussing the villain will come at that point, Agamemno. The only thing we can say here now that's not really a spoiler is in this issue compared to the others, he's a relative non-entity. Yep. I mean, he serves to sort of get the Injustice League back on track in terms of uh, defeating Hal and Sinestro's body. But, I mean, it's not like he, you know, is like, oh, the Injustice League can't handle it, but my powers are innate. You know, boom, I've got it, you know. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, he serves as a relative non-entity in this. So, um, and he's he was made for this story and doesn't show up again after this story. We'll say that as well. Um, but yeah, uh, how do you? <laughs> speaking of villains, <laughs> how do you feel about the lineup we've got here in the story? <laughs> well, the the beauty is some sometimes when reactions our reactions get captured sometimes. Well, I, I would say most of the time, but even though we have to, we're ha- having to re- redo this. I think our reactions were just natural both times, and that's the beauty of this. <laughs> the, uh, you know, the, the greatest threats the world has ever known, and then you go from Lex Luthor to the Penguin <laughs> <laughs> and Catwoman and Kronos. Yeah, and you know, some of these guys, even Black Manta, who we know is he's. He's tough, but I don't know if you consider him one of the greatest threats you know the world has ever known. It's debatable for him. Uh, but what what's interesting too is they chose to put he he chose these villains to put into the mind into the, the their minds into the bodies of the superheroes because it says in the story he needed the heroes, but for a villainous purpose. So either a why didn't he just mind control the Justice League? Or B, why did he choose these villains? Because if you're if 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 the if the thing that you're going with here is that you need villains in the bodies of heroes so that they are willing to accede to your purpose and whims. Why wouldn't you choose the people either a most familiar with their hero uh, counterpart, heroic counterpart, or the most brilliant or the most tactical minds there are, regardless of if they're familiar with their heroic counterpart? Yeah, I, 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 I got nothing, man. <laughs> like put 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 Deathstroke in the body of. Of Batman. I mean, I don't think Deathstroke was invented yet, but but in terms of Silver Age, so you couldn't do that. But you, you get what I mean there. Yeah, but that's I I, I do agree. I, I obviously they wanted a Batman villain to you know to take over Batman, so I don't have an issue with that. Why it's the Penguin? That's another that's another story. I mean, but look, I mean some of these splits, like I mean Felix Faust and friggin' Green Arrow. Yeah. What the hell do they have in common? I mean that, that's yeah. So that's that's was 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 Merlin a thing by the six the sixties uh, Silver Age uh, Green Arrow stuff? I, I mean because he's he, he, the the whole opposite of the character was almost always their first villain. 
Right, but even even uh, I would almost rather have seen Faust take over Martian Manhunter as opposed to Doctor Light doing it. Yeah, I I, th- I, I just yeah I, I just what's a telepathic villain that would have been around in the sixties? Oh, in the sixties, Brainiac? Well, not telepathic. He's not Brainiac. Brainiac's not telepathic. Starro? Yeah, I don't know. It's but. I mean, some of these are naturals, obviously. Hal, Sinestro, Aquaman, Manta, Lex, Superman. I mean... Sinestro, Green Lantern, yeah. 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 And uh, they kind of force Black Canary and Catwoman because they're the only chick, so I guess they have to... Well, and they're both physical fighters, though I would argue that Black Canary could take down Catwoman, no problem. She's a legacy. True. Yeah. Yeah. But they could, this certainly is not exactly the A team here. Yeah. And Kronos, I mean, Kronos was, I mean, because at the end, Lex, Lex is a genius, an inventor, an engineer. But what the hell does he need Kronos's watchmaking skills for? <laughs> like, it makes no sense. Just let Lex, just give Lex the Absorbicon and the and, and the power battery. What the hell does Kronos have to offer Lex technician wise? <laughs> Maybe he's building a really special Rolex. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, well, I need motivation to do this job. I need you to build me a nice uh, custom watch so I have uh, some a present <laughs> to look forward to, you know, for completing this menial task here. It's just like, all right, whatever. Um, one thing I, I, I pointed out last time, I want to point out this time as well, is this story opens with Hal and Sinestro's body flying through a meteor shower. However, they make a point of saying that this is in deep space. Meteor showers only happen when the meteors, or the asteroids, or whatever, are in an atmosphere and being pulled by gravity toward a planet's surface or a moon surface, or, or whatever. Because then they light on fire and streak in a downward traje- trajectory, like we see them here, <laughs> towards the surface. If he's in space, these should just be floating asteroids. Or if you want to you know, comment on his piloting abilities or something, they can just be a cluster of comets that he could be a- avoiding. But it's sort of odd they went with meteor shower, but again, when we talk about when we're reading stuff in in like Silver Age tales, one of the first things that you immediately realize is the level of scientific understanding comic writers had when writing science fiction stories. So maybe they knew that that was a mistake and just added it in because it matched the tone. <laughs> It's possible that one. That one you have to be a little more cynical about, I think. But it, but it is. It's possible. Yeah. Possible. Apparently, one also, man, apparently, one man's asteroid field is another man's meteor shower. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm also curious about. I mean, I, again, I've I've read these issues, and I don't want to spoil anything, but I'm still sort of questioning the, at the very least, the jewel kryptonite. Oh, the jewel from the planet Krypton, yes. Well, yeah, the jewel like, from the yeah, planet Krypton. Yeah, that, that doesn't seem like it would be inherently super powerful. Yeah. You might not be able to and destroy the, it. Maybe, maybe just, just plant a throne in at people and knocking them out. <laughs> and I'll, I'll be I'll be 100% honest. The only, the only time I've ever heard of and or seen the Absorbicon used was during the Justice League animated series. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? I, I know. Where Hawkman finally enters the picture and tries to get Shyera to remember who she is and get her to touch the Absorbicon. Yeah, and, and it has such, and it's such a weird name too. <laughs> yeah, Absorbicon. which I'm, the reason I call it an Absorbicon is because I think that's what they how they pronounce it in the Justice League series. I'm gonna have to get that box set out because I've got the entire Justice League animated series on DVD. I think they call it an Absorbicron in that. I don't know. Whatever. That would make more sense uh, to me if it was a Cron. Yeah. But. I've also got the Batman Beyond Complete Series. God, I haven't watched those in a while. Sorry. <laughs> it's making me want to go on a on a uh, uh, Bruce Tim kick. Um, 
but yeah, okay. Is there is there anything else you want to say about all of this before uh, we close out this episode and go into some spoilery stuff and all that? I don't really think so. I think, I mean, the whole flashback with Cat with with Carol, it was kind of. It was a strange way to split the issue. Yeah, right? let's talk about that. Yeah, for sure. let's, not too long, but yeah, let's talk about it because I know we did the first time. It's a weird way to kind of like suck the life out of the story. Uh, the whole second part, the second, the second of the three part, you know, novel, if you will, is basically almost all exclusively Hal's flashback to what happened on Earth, which is done for a reason, in, to ground him and to try to lessen the yellow ring, the yellow ring's control over him and slow its. Uh, the way it's corrupting him, but it also serves to set Hal's. I mean, this is called the Silver Age, right. but it also serves to set, you know, Hal's personal background and story where he is in, yeah. in his own history as yeah. you read this. It does, uh, but it probably carries. Besides the fact that even that's really goofy, a lot of the things that happen in that in that flashback. It's just the fact that it does kind of suck the life out of the main story. I think I, I don't so. I don't think it needed to be as long as it was. Yeah, there there had to have been a better way to do this, and and a, a, frankly, a more interesting way. Like you could you could have referred to one of Hal's past encounters with Sinestro, you know, like oh hey, I saw him do this with his ring. I forgot he could do that. Let me use this power to take out the Justice League. Or I mean, you could do anything else. I know that Star Sapphire appears maybe a little bit later than this is supposed to take place. I don't know. Uh, specifically, um, but I mean, you, I mean, of all of his Silver Age villains, Sonar. I mean, don't get me wrong; he's not that popular now. At the time, he was probably one of Green Lantern's more well-known villains. But I still question using him as the flashback. Yeah, as we kid, as we kidded, I guess the tattooed man was busy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. Uh, and then they already had Sinestro on deck, being because he was Sinestro. Uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, it's. Ha, let's be honest. Hal's a rogues gallery is pretty friggin' lame. Uh, certainly back then. So I guess they didn't. Nah, well, I mean, I think I think he has one of the more extensive rogues galleries that people have done nothing with. Oh yeah. But... Because ba- Batman always had like an extensive rogues gallery, and now we know all of these. Rogues, all of, all of these various villains he has by name, and can list off, God, I don't know, fifteen to twenty of them with no problem. But that's because when they started out, they were just as lame as any of these other villains that Green Lantern has. But after they were created, creators went on to use them and flesh them out and do cool things with them, and and so on and so forth. Batman had better luck than Green Lantern did. I wonder what what the Green Lantern landscape would look like if people took just as much time to develop the tattooed man, the shark, sonar, I don't know, the man in the iron lung, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, stuff, uh, what was uh, the Invisible Destroyer? Yes. You know, th- things like that. So you, rather than just developing Star Sapphire, Sinestro, blah, 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 I feel like if someone had devoted enough time over the years to bringing back these characters rather than just focusing on one or two or trying to create new ones or, you know, whatever. So it would have, it probably would have drastically changed things. I'd be curious to do that. See, see what, see what that would entail. Which almost makes me wish they had uh, done that with the Green Lantern Earth One. I mean, Green Lantern Earth One was fantastic the way it is, but what would that have looked like if instead of going with the, you know, the whole Manhunters thing, teasing the Krona and the Yellow sort of power thing, if they instead were like, let's redo the Shark, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't know. But all right, anything else about this you want to tackle before we? Uh... Go into spoilery territory? No, I think we can roll into the spoilers. Okay, so one spoiler, guys. Um, the Supposedly, how uh, Agamemno gets defeated is he is imprisoned after he's beaten into the central power battery. So, given that this is supposed to take place in the Silver Age... The central power battery has 
been destroyed and rebuilt at least three times, I think, between the Silver Age and, and modern era, if not more. At least, yeah. Yeah. So what happened to Agamemno is my first question. What do we think happened to him? So he's imprisoned in the Central Power Battery. As we know, the reason the yellow modern times, as we now know, the reason the yellow impurity existed in the first place is because Parallax is, is and has always been there. So if he's imprisoned inside the Central Power Battery, when the yellow weaknesses is in effect, that means he's in prison in the Central Power Battery with Parallax. So, what happened to him? Did he escape when the central power battery was destroyed? Was he absorbed by Parallax? What do we think happened to Agamemno? Well, like you said, pretty much the only the only two the only two rational explanations would be that he the only two rational explanations would have been that he he got absorbed into Hal or that he was freed when the power battery was destroyed. I would say he was freed. Uh, obviously, they we, they kind of tried to split hairs when they had the whole Dr. Light going into Kyle's battery, which never really made any sense anyway, uh, why that would be the case. Dr. Light should have, Dr. Light should have the same thing. He was entrapped, he was trapped in the central power battery when it was destroyed too, so he also should have either been in Hal or Freed. So, I don't know, I'm going to assume he was Freed because we certainly haven't seen anything of him since, so it would make perfect sense that that's the only real explanation. Yeah, I would tend to agree with you only just because it gives us another thing to look forward to in case anybody ever wants to pick up on this breadcrumb is because supposedly Agamemno is the um, is the son of one of the first beings created after the Big Bang in the DC universe. So he's an old ass being and Green Lantern wise, what character do we know recently that has something to do with the Big Bang in the DC Universe, Relic. Now, when Kyle found Relic, he was inside sort of like a cosmic space-time cyst that supposedly we're led to believe has been there since the Big Bang and Relic was never released prior to Kyle flying up and Relic inside the cyst, sensing him and busting out and so on and so forth. But it would be interesting to see... Agamemno, maybe in relation to the source wall, maybe in relation to, you know, Relic or something like that, I think. Because they did, at the at the end of DC Metal, that's exactly what's happening in um, this new Scott Snyder series I've been reading, uh, Justice League No Justice. They broke the source wall at the end of DC Metal, and they're sort of dealing with some of the ramifications of that in this DC No Justice series. So if the Justice League broke the source wall and one of the oldest beings in the universe is supposedly one of them, Agamemno, it'd be really interesting to see him as a future ramification of, hey, that time y'all broke the, the source wall, it set me free or something. That's true. Just like we, we've never dealt with the Titan that came through the source wall, did we, at the end of Godhead? No. And apparently nope. we won't. <laughs> Nope. That, that, I, I, you can't say that, but the, but if we had to bet on things that are going to be wrapped up in the in the last few issues of the Vendetti run, that's probably that's probably like a you're probably hovering at like ten to fifteen percent max that that thing would even be touched upon. <laughs> Considering the other big, a lot of the other big characters or big mysteries that probably won't be touched upon either. And like we talk, like Relic himself, whether Relic is more likely to be dealt with at the end. Considering they seem to be recruiting everybody under the sun, including people who they shouldn't be recruiting to take on the Dark Stars because they're just so powerful or there's just too many of them. So Rel sure. Relic would be Relic would still be a logical going back to point to try to recruit Relic. If but you would ha you would have to convince Relic that they're that they are using basically the well, I guess you could appeal to Relic that even though they're not necessarily really pulling power from the emotional spectrum directly, they are Leading the emotional, leading the universe to its destruction somehow. I'm not sure how you'd convince, how you'd convince him of that, but, but it'll be interesting. It'd be weird not to touch upon Relic at the end of that run, since that's the first, that's the first thing we ever really saw in the Robert Venditti issue was Relic. <laughs> True. So, 
All right. Well, is there anything else before I tell people where to find the rest of the parts of this JLMA crossover? You tell them, Chad. All right, guys. Again, and not in this exact order, but pretty darn close. Silver Age, the one-shot, is being covered by Justice's First Dawn. Silver Age Secret Files is covered by the Fire and Water podcast. Silver Age Challengers of the Unknown is covered by the Shortbox Showcase com- uh, podcast. The Silver Age Justice League of America one-shot is covered by the Coffee and Comics blog uh, slash podcast. The Silver Age Teen Titans is covered by the Supermates podcast over on the Fire and Water Network. The Dial H for Hero one-shot is covered by Frank over on the Idlehead of Diablo. The Doom Patrol one-shot is covered by Waiting for Doom. The Flash one-shot is covered by the Longbox Crusade. The Showcase, which comes right after this one, is being covered by Batgirl to Oracle. The Brave and the Bold is covered by Comic Reflections. And the 80-page giant is being covered by the Cosmic Treadmill podcast. So be sure to look those up on iTunes and uh, download those JLMA crossovers, and as well as you'll be able to find links to those shows over on the post for this episode on our website at LanternCast.com. And speaking of LanternCast.com, Mark, you want to tell people how they can reach us? LanternCast.com? No. <laughs> Besides LanternCast.com, which is our website, Get our latest episodes. Uh, we have a nice, and there's going to be one posted hopefully by the end of this week. Ring Cyclopedia. Uh, ep- we do Ring Cyclopedia uh, videos, which basically we do either rings or ring props, including power batteries, and talk and talk about different Green Lantern rings and batteries and just anything that basically can fall into that genre uh, that have been that have been created. Some by you know pri- more like individual private. Private sellers, not not official uh, merchandisers, and of course the official DC products and and rings and things of that nature. So we cover all that. So our, those episodes are also on lanterncast.com. The email is lanterncast at gmail.com. That is the best place to contact us to give us feedback about this episode or our podcast in general. Facebook and Twitter. Use hashtag GLCast to locate us on either of those. iTunes and Stitcher, we're on both of those platforms, so please leave us a positive review, whichever platform or both, if you happen to listen to us on both. But if you just do one, which probably most people do, just leave us a positive review. We would greatly appreciate that. And last but not least, we have a very underused lately voicemail, 708 Lantern. So that's the best way to guarantee you're going to be on the show is is, is give us a voicemail. Uh, I think there's a two-minute time limit on it, but you can t- 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 Three minutes. Is it three? Is it three? Yeah. Uh, so you can give us your thoughts on anything we've already done, stuff you want to hear, upcoming po- you know possible topics, things of that nature. So that's, I think that's pretty much it. All right, guys. Uh, should we tell them about some stuff we have coming up? Sure. All right, so what's next episode going to be if they want to stick around and listen to this podcast if they haven't listened to us uh, lately? It would appear the next episode will be Hal and the Core, Hal and the Green Lantern Core, probably, depending on when we record it now. If we, There's going to be, a, I would say, at least the first three issues of the Dark Star, uh, Star arc. Uh, it's possible, depending on when we record it, it maybe we could do the first four issues, but probably we're going to stick to the first three since I think that was supposed to be the prelude anyway. I think that was supposed to be th- technically three issues based on the initial way it was divvied up. But either way, Hal and the Core should be next. Then after that, not entirely sure. We might delve in. We prob- Actually, probably probably we'll do the Jessica's Ring arc because it's not mm-hmm. particularly long and it's, not, it's over with now. In Green Lanterns, which is will wrap up, which will wrap up Tim Seeley's abridged run on Green Lanterns, and then after that, uh, probably something else, probably more of a wild card because we do have a while before the whole Dark Star arc will end completely, so that gives us a little bit more room to. And we actually have a we have a Green Lanterns annual coming out soon too. We do, we do, um, and Mark and I just discussed again though. When I say this, guys, even for regular listeners of the show, 
There is no timeline on this, but we did just discuss covering Cosmic Odyssey at some point in the future. Uh, so if you guys are looking for our coverage of some you know, bigger uh, Green Lantern-related story arcs, Cosmic Odyssey could be coming your way pretty soon. Uh, and if you guys are new listeners to the show, want to listen to something, uh, I would, Mark, you can recommend something else, but uh, I know I one thing I've been trying to pimp since it came out is um, I know a lot of people are big fans of the Earth One original graphic novels. And our episode covering that is a twofer, actually. Not only do Mark and I cover Green Lantern Earth One, but we also interview the creative team on that same episode. So Gabriel Hardman and Karina Becco. So not only do you get the coverage of it, what we think of it, how it relates to you know what, what they did, how they did it, but then you get to turn around and hear the the creative team's reasoning behind what the, why they did what they did and their inspiration, their likes, their passions. So that's a really good kind of encapsulation of kind of what we do here. We review. I, I love interviewing people. Um, so yeah, there's 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 a lot of stuff in there to to listen to if you want to go listen to that episode. Mark, do you have any episodes you'd recommend to people if they're listening to us for the first time from this JLMA event? Well, I would say besides again besides the regular issue reviews, which obviously because we're a, a the Lantern cast, we do have to no matter what our current vibes are at a given moment on you know the state of the Green Lantern universe uh, that we. We do have to cover the material, so there's no doubt that we do that. So that's a huge amount of what we do. I would also say, besides the Lanterns cast stuff, obviously Chad and I do a lot of movie stuff. So we tend to do a lot of... We we always do a movie preview uh, episode, which we did probably back in January, which is the stuff we're looking forward to in this year. We've had movie-centric episodes on The Infinity War and Black Panther this year so far. Mm-hmm. Um Actually, we did Cloverfield too. I almost forgot about about that. So, yeah, uh, Cloverfield yeah, Paradox. Yeah, so which which probably would have been a movie review, a, a released movie review, but since they put it on Netflix, I just made it a little. I sped that one up, and there'll be other there'll be other movie reviews coming later this year. But I would say that's another thing we do besides just Green Lantern stuff. So we kind of do kind of branch out and do and do more uh, pop, you know, pop culture stuff. So that's stuff that I think we both enjoy doing. Yeah, and I think. That, that sort of goes – for those of you who are familiar with the Fire and Water Podcast Network and the shows they're on, that's sort of their mantra, you know, find your joy. That's kind of what Mark and I have been doing lately is when you see non-Lantern-related stuff pop up in our feed, that's us just having fun and doing something that we're passionate and interested about so that you don't hear us every episode going, oh, we're not really liking the current titles and blah, blah, blah. That's why we don't review these comics you know, as they come out, uh, because there'd be too many episodes dedicated to them, and I feel like we might feel burned out. Now, obviously, the creative teams are supposedly changing relatively soon, uh, so maybe uh, that'll turn around. But I definitely would recommend listening to things that are interesting, like the uh, Earth One review and interview, as well as the the sort of spinoff stuff that we do that is not related to Lantern stuff. That just something we're like, all right, cool, we got those those current arc reviews out of the way. Let's do something we're really, you know, jazzed about. So you'll, you'll hear a lot of passion and stuff there. So definitely recommend checking all that out. So, uh, anything else we should tell people about before we, uh, uh turn them loose and to go find the, uh, Batgirl to Oracle podcast. I guess the only thing we could do, which would be somewhat self-serving is, is even if we don't want to say what it is, is just to say the next. We know next year's JL May will make us particularly happy. Will make Lantern fans particularly happy, and we'll be taking we'll be taking a relatively big role in, in leading the way next year. So that is something worth looking forward to. That's right. After the credits, guys, stay tuned because I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I'll give you a bit of a hint as to what it is. A little audio snippet as to what it could be. Uh, and hopefully if you, you know, hopefully if you recognize it, you automatically know what it'll be. But, uh, otherwise let's just say next year when we cover it, it'll be the 10 year anniversary of that event. So, all right. Uh, we'll talk to you later guys. Good night, everybody. Good night.
blackest night falls from the skies. The darkness grows as all light dies. We crave your hearts and your demise. By my black hand, the dead shall rise.